0: When Joyce was talking and praying for the two brothers from Ukraine, Alex and his son, it was really precious because I've been to Ukraine 20 different times. I know many of the pastors and the leaders and what God is doing in that nation and to see the devastation. But it's not just Ukraine. It's the whole world's in conflict. It's struggling in so many different ways. And if I was to ask each of you what nation you were born in and where you came from, we'd probably get a hundred different nations represented in this house today. And you know your country. You know what it goes through. And you know the struggles that are there. But you know when you read the Bible, at the very beginning of the Bible you discover that God created the whole of the universe and the earth for the pleasure and the provision of man. And it was flawless and perfect and wonderful and beautiful, fruitful. Everything that man could ever desire was there for him. But God also created Adam and Eve in his image and in his likeness and gave them free will. Free will is where the conflicts come because you want to do something your way and I want to do something my way and we clash. And we see that over and over again that it isn't long before the storyline in the Bible that reads what happens in people and nations and we see conflict and we see disagreement and we see struggle and chaos and murder and mayhem and we realize Part of that is man's doing. Other part of that is the enemy of God, who the Bible reveals as Satan, the light-bearer, but he brings a false light. And whatever you believe and however you believe, you're going to act on that in your life. And so in the very beginning of the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul makes a statement that, And he says, the first man, Adam, became a living being, but the last Adam, meaning Jesus Christ, became a life-giving spirit. It is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, then the spiritual. If I were to give you a little testimony today on the one another's that we're going through, I would go back to what Pastor Jason said when we started the series on honoring one another. Creating a culture of honor in your family, in your life, in your business, and in the church community means we defer and we prefer one another. Then Lori talked about stopping to pass judgment on people. It's so easy to do that because there's so many differences. And we could go through those and they would be unending. And then last week, I have to follow Kofi. And Kofi talked about instructing one another. And the Bible tells us that we live our lives by building on precept after precept, line upon line. God begins to work in us in the same way as you watch a child grow. They can't grow any faster than they can grow. And as they're growing up, when we see them two years on, we go, wow, look how big you've become. And it's because we have been out of their presence. But... God is at work in you and I every single day. And he's growing us up from the inside out. And so today we're going to look at another aspect of the one another's. And it's accepting one another. Which really means to welcome one another. So I want you to stand up with me before we start the service. I want you to just stand up. I want you to look down on the floor. And I want you to put a welcome mat down there. All right, everybody can see, can see your welcome mat? Now I want you to step on your welcome mat. And I want you to put your hands out like this. Father, as we take this time now to go through a few things in your word, we want to become a welcoming people and accepting one another people. Because you're building into us how to honor, how to stop passing judgment, how to be instructed and grow, and now, Lord, how to welcome one another and be accepting of one another, to recognize that each of us are a divine creation, that you have made us in your image and in your likeness. Father, we have dignity because of the spark that you've put in us of yourself that how you have set a fire in each of us to live for you, to reflect you. And so because of that, Lord, we are going to be a welcoming people today and be welcoming to one another in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. I want to dedicate this service today to the memory of Edith Richard. Her and her husband, Jacques, and family were part of Life Center over the years, and she went to be with the Lord um, a week ago, and we had her funeral this week. And I want you to know that when you pastor, uh, you see a lot of people come through the life of the church, and you see those that have been here almost since the beginning, and now that generation is starting to take their turn of closing their eyes on this side and opening them in heaven. On the other side and it's a great joy to know that you've had the privilege of walking alongside of them over the years. Today in Romans fifteen seven, Paul says therefore accept one another everybody say accept as Christ has accepted you for the glory of God so our acceptance of one another is based on how God has accepted us in his family when you and I Begin to understand that there are natural things that go on in everyday life, and I've learned. Even though in my young years, I had learned that I didn't really grow much when I was at the top of my game in certain areas. When I graduated from from college, when uh, I got my black belt in karate, when I did certain things, it was like I did that. I was proud of myself. Never thought that I needed help in my life, and that's the difference. When you walk natural, you think it all depends on you. So it becomes really heavy. But it was when our marriage went through a crisis because of Joyce. And um, <laughs> I mean, I was going to go through another crisis. <laughs> It's when you go through a crisis, whatever it might be, and if we were to go up and down the aisles and ask, are you facing anything that's very difficult in your life? We had prayer at the end of the first service, and some of the things that came out just break your heart when you realize what people are going through. But it's in those moments that we tend to reach out to God. Not at the peak when we're doing really well. We really feel like, well, we don't really need any help. We've done it ourselves. But it's when things come unraveled and you face trials and circumstances and tragedies in your life and you find yourself just crying out, God, where are you in the midst of all of this? And you find out that no matter what you've gone through, he's accepting and welcoming. And he's there to answer the cry of your heart. And so God is calling each of us to become welcoming towards one another. Why? Because he's building up the body of Christ in every community. And that's our job as believers in Christ. We are builders together with him so that his church might shine in the midst of the darkness of the culture day to day. Think back to your life, and I'll share a few situations in mine. I know that from the moment I get up in the morning until I put my head on the pillow at night, that there's going to be some conflict in my life, there's going to be some interactions that are going to be challenging, there's things that I'm going to go through, but my heart cry is to be able to say, Lord, I want to grow up, I want to be mature. And I've always been one that goes right to God's word. And if you and I get into some kind of disagreement, I'm going to take you to the word because it applies to both of us. And we're going to see what God's word said. I'm not going to go by my feelings. I'm not going to go by my experiences, as wonderful as those might be. I'm going to bring us both to the scriptures that say, Lord, your word applies to both of our lives. Speak to both of us in the midst of this. And when God does that, it tends to bring humility out of our hearts. And we get humbled when we're in the presence of God's Word because it has a way of speaking deep. The Bible says it's like a sword that divides and it, it, it cuts deep within us and brings out the truth of what we need to respond to. And so if I look back over my life and I realize, okay, there's some things that I've been down on my face and recognized that I needed God and He came through and He gave me direction and helped me. First thing God always does is ask me about my relationship with him. How intimate is that relationship? How am I walking with him? And then when that's starting to get revived, he always directs me to his word. Think about why he left his word for us so that we would know how he has interacted with men and women through the centuries and the fruit of that as we begin to watch the journeys of people's lives. In fact, today you're going to get homework when you leave here today. You're going to be required to read one book of the Bible. It's one page. It's the book of Philemon. I hope you'll enjoy it. But if I were to look at my own life, I would say, Lord, I am so sweet at home and I'm such a wonderful husband and a great father and grandfather and I'm just a, a, a precious man. I get in my car and something happens. <laughs> Idiots everywhere. <laughs> Stupid drivers everywhere. And Joyce just looks over at I me and says, grow up! And then she has that look on her face. Oh, Jesus. I got to put up with this guy again. So how many know we all have things like that in our life and we, we don't think that they're that important, but you know road, road rage is a problem in our culture? Thank God Jesus is here. How, have you, how many of you ride the LRT? We're not saying anything. <laughs> it just will bring things out of us. What about the weather? <laughs> How about politics? There's a wonderful subject. The moment you want to curse your government, God says, obviously you haven't read my word. And so you go into Romans 13 and you realize that government is established by God for good and we're called to pray for those in authority over us. All of a sudden we realize, boy, that's different than a picket sign. That's different than some of the other things you want to do. Every time I mention the name, Pierre, or sorry, Justin Trudeau. (laughs) We all have opinions. And God says, pray. That's the difference between natural and spiritual. In the natural, we fight using the weapons that we have. In the spirit, we don't. We fight in prayer believing. We have spiritual weapons. And we can destroy imaginations and all of those things and pull those strongholds down. I don't think we've even touched or tapped into the power of prayer yet as people. But God is calling us to be a people of prayer. Why? Because we're in relationship with him and he wants to talk to us And as we talk to him, he directs our steps, he guides us. What about things like family members? Everybody in your family okay? What about the church? All kinds of things that go on in the life of the church. And yet the challenge is God's at work in each and every one of us. How do we become welcoming of one another? How do we walk with one another even when we see the warts in someone else's life? How do we walk with them? Stop for a minute and ask yourself, if God was to put on the screen my life for the body of Christ to see, what would they see? that he was welcoming of you in the midst of your failures, in the midst of your sin, in the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of your arrogance, in the midst of all the things you were going through. He was right there to say, come follow me. And as we follow him, he changes us from faith to faith, from strength to strength, from glory to glory. And he starts conforming us to the image of his son. And like the little child that I mentioned a moment ago, we don't really see the changes, but someone sees us two to three years after we've been walking with Jesus, and they go, well, you're not even the same person anymore. And everything inside of you goes, yes, it's working. If I were to ask you how did your family communicate with one another when you were growing up? Uh, Was your home loud or was your home quiet? You know, some cultures, it's very loud in the house and other cultures are very quiet. Were your problems discussed or were they stuffed? What about discipline, schedules, meals, devotions, chores? How did your mom dress you when you went out? Joyce used to dress Jason in a suit when he went to the park to play in the sand. (laughs) Because she was taking what Samuel had done in the Old Testament, and the nephod was given every year as he was growing up into what God wanted him to be. And so she wanted her son to grow up into the best that God had for his life. She thought it was prime minister, but there was a higher calling than that, and it was being pastor of this house. (laughs) Amen. My parents had a very strong worth ethic and raised us with respect for others and to live a moral and a productive life. My mom's advice to me was, son, I want you to always know that I love you, but if you break the law or do something stupid and get arrested, know that I love you, but you alone are responsible for the consequences and I'm not bailing you out. (laughs) Are we clear? Yeah, mom. (laughs) How many know just by her saying that when I was out doing dumb things as a teenager, I always remembered nobody's coming for me, but they love me. They really care about me, but they're not coming for me. I'm on my own. My dad, who'd been an orderly at the Pearlie Hospital for 40 years, saw the ravages in the lives of the veterans through alcohol, and it wasn't a spiritual thing. He just said, son, don't abuse alcohol. And I look back on that, and when I was in my late teens, out with my friends drinking and doing crazy stuff, um... I came home, and he said, come with me, we have to go to the St. Vincent Hospital. And I was sort of loopy, and I didn't know why. And he said, my mother's dying, and I want you to come and be with me. That was one of the most disappointing moments of my heart and my life, that here's my dad instructing me on good things to do and I'm abusing that and pushing him away and when he did me, needed me the most, I was almost not available to him. So you look back on certain things and you realize, wow, free choice is a big responsibility. Because where your life is going is based on the choices you've made with your life. And it's based on those things that have been inputted into your heart and life, in your family, amongst your friends, at school, through the media, wherever. You're a combination of a lot of things that have gone on. When Joyce was leading us in prayer for Ukraine, and you realize what one leader can do to bring death and destruction to the lives of so many people, It's just, it breaks your heart to see it. That's not how God intended for us to live as people on the earth. He wanted us to live and reflect his honor and his glory, but we can't do that unless Christ is in our hearts and lives. And that's where we come to a place of humility. We come to a place where we bow our knee and say that, Jesus, you are now Lord of my life. I'm not Lord of my life. I give you permission to direct my steps. Romans 15 is a command, not a suggestion. Accept one another. Be welcoming to one another. As the body of Christ, build one another up. Strengthen one another. You hear it, Pastor Jason, praying at the end of a service when people come forward and ask for prayer and you'll, you'll see something like this. Father, thank you for accepting me just as I am. And you think about just as you were when you came to Christ. And you think of all that stuff that was going on in your life and he accepted and welcomed you. And then Jason says, but loving me enough not to leave me the way I am. In other words, we're going to deal with some of the stuff in your life one step at a time. I know in our life when we came to faith in Christ, there were things that needed to change. And there were other people who thought that the certain things that they saw in our lives needed to change right now. But how many know God has a way of getting to the things? We had, I had a friend that used to love to put tracks everywhere he went. And when he came over to my house to meet with Joyce and I, and we were not serving Christ together yet, I was, but Joyce wasn't. And I said to him at the door, put your tracks away. Don't you dare leave one track anywhere in this house. Because I want Joyce to see Jesus at work in me, not on a piece of paper. I want her to realize I really have changed. I'm not lying to her. I'm not deceiving her. That I am now serving Jesus and my life is changing. And he was kind of terrified at that. But he put them aside. This day, like 43 years later, he says to me, do you remember that time you told me not to put any tracks? Yes, I remember that time really, really well. My trust was not in the track; My trust was in Jesus answering prayer. That my life was changing and Joyce would see it. And that I would be accepting of her as Jesus was accepting of me. That I would be welcoming of her and love her the way Jesus was welcoming and loved me. Warts and all. And it was maybe number 13 on the list that God was dealing with in our lives, but people wanted to put it number one on the list. And I would say to them, don't touch it. Because at some point in the journey, just as God does in each and every one of you, he's going to touch it. He's going to deal with it whether it's things in your body that he wants to make right, whether it's things in your mind that he wants to make right, whether it's things in your heart that he wants to make right, I promise you he will conform you to the image of his son and he will kill you in the process. And at first you think, well, that's not fair. And then you realize it's so good, Lord, that you are doing that because you are freeing me up step by step and i just know the peace of god that passes understanding is well worth it and so romans 8:29 says for those whom he foreknew he predestined he set this in motion. When Adam and Eve sinned, he set, his plan was set in motion that he would redeem mankind, forgive them of their sin, come into their lives, and conform them to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn amongst many brothers. That expression, brotherhood, is going to come out in just a moment. And because I have made a place in my heart to accept Christ, I'm called upon to put a place in my heart that I will be accepting of others who are trying to find their way to him. They don't know what they're looking for yet, but it's Christ who's reaching out his hand to them all the time. Someone once asked me, I went to a retreat, and someone said, What, what are you here for? and I said well I really just don't know why I'm here but I said I would come on the retreat and this businessman's invited me four times and I don't want to lose his account so I'm here spiritual absolutely not change absolutely not I went with all the wrong motives but guess what Jesus was accepting and he welcomed me And I'm sure he said to the father, this one, man, this one is something else. He is so far gone, but we're gonna bring him in step by step and we're gonna do something in him. The very first session of that weekend that I was on, they went around the table and said, what are you here for? And I thought, I can't lie. I can't say, well, I'm here because I really want to be a spiritual man. No. The guy beside me said, I'm here to get tongues. <laughs> and I went, hmm. I don't think I made the right decision to come here. What what is he talking about? He's got one right there. <laughs> what is he talking about? How I many you know in the beginning there are lots of things we just don't understand? But if you give it time, so I gave the weekend time and I realized at the very end to live a life in union with Christ was the goal. And I didn't have that and I didn't know that, but I was being welcomed into a whole new way of living my life. Today I want to give you homework. When you go from here today, I want you to read the book of Philemon. Philemon's a wonderful story of a businessman who has a slave by the name of Onesimus. And Onesimus gets it in his mind to steal from Philemon and to run away. In the Roman culture of that day when you were a slave, you were a slave for as long as was required. And you were earning your way out of slavery to the best of your ability, the way would today would be employers and employees. And he was working in Philemon's household, but took something and then realized it was wrong and ran away. There are stories in the Bible of people who ran away too. Think about Jonah. He ran away, but he ran right into the will of God. Onesimus runs away, and he runs right into the will of God. You're here today, and you may be running. Can I just say you're running right into the will of God? Because God arranged an appointment between Paul and Onesimus in jail. I shared in the first service that my precious brother Craig Our family prayed for him day in and day out for over 10 years. And every time I got a phone call from Craig, I knew it was he wanted money, he wanted something. So I get this phone call, and I hear at the other end, praise the Lord, Barry. I thought, yeah, praise the Lord, Barry, right? What do you want? No, 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 praise the Lord. I had asked a pastor friend to go and visit Craig in prison up in Amos, Quebec. And that pastor took the day to pray and to fast and to say, Holy Spirit, show me what I need to share with this man's life. And he went in. We had been sowing in tears for 10 years and he had the opportunity to watch it flourish. Craig gave his life to the Lord and after many aspects of the conversation i finally believed him and said okay that's terrific that you've come to faith in christ i'll help you in whatever way i can and so my mom was excited my dad my sisters we were just thrilled and then he went next door here ocdc It was interesting in the first service, uh, Chaplain uh, Carl Wake was here and he said, oh, I remember that story well. 31 years he was the chaplain next door and I would ask him to check in on my brother, but my brother had to go to court, but he was sitting behind the glass and he said, Barry, uh, I think I can get away with this. I gulped. There are times you have to tell people the truth. But how you tell them the truth is really important. Are you accepting? Are you welcoming? Do you remember that Christ accepted you and welcomed you the way you were? And so I looked at him and with tears in my eyes, I said, Craig, if you genuinely have given your life to Christ, then you have to walk in the truth. And you don't want to live the rest of your life looking over your shoulder and wondering when you're going to be found out. Craig, if you have made Jesus Lord of your life, then he's Lord of your life. Tell the truth and the truth will set you free. Not free from the prison, but free inside from what you've done. Forgiveness will come, you'll be able to live your life. And so he said, you know what that's gonna do, eh? I said, yeah, I think so, but I don't wanna know all the details. You know the details. Joyce and I went to the courthouse while his trial was going to be on. We were five minutes late because we couldn't park the car. It was too much traffic. Five minutes, the court was already empty. And I said, well, when is uh, Craig Busce going to be in the courtroom? They said, well, it's already over. He pled guilty. And instantly my heart rejoiced because I thought facing the most horrendous consequences that he would have to face, he was willing to tell the truth. And God not only allowed him to go to prison, he had a ministry in prison for over 10 years, was able to lead many people to Christ. I just want you to know, God's best for you is always received when we are welcomed and accepted and not condemned, but he wants to do work in us. so. Philemon and Onesimus are in a similar situation. Onesimus has done something wrong. He could go to jail. I mean, his life could even be taken from him. But Paul makes a plea to his friend Philemon that he led to the Lord years ago. And he says to Philemon, just as I have accepted you and Christ has accepted you, you need to accept Onesimus, not as a slave anymore, but as your brother in Christ. And whatever he owes you, I'll pay that. And Paul is, is really good when he's doing this because he says in verse 17 of Philemon 1, if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me, being welcoming. If he's wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. Think of all the things you and I have done wrong, and it's charged to the account of Jesus. And it's paid in full. No wonder it's a great salvation we enjoy. Paul says, I write this with my own hand. I will repay it. To say nothing, (laughs) here's Paul putting the screws to him a little bit, to say nothing of your owing me even your own life. Wake up call, Philemon. I gave you the gospel, it changed your life. You're not the same person anymore. Onesimus now has also received the gospel. He's not the same anymore. He's your brother in Christ now. So he says, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Paul is reminding Philemon of his past and that God was accepting of him. Please be accepting of Onesimus. Accepting one another is treating them with dignity. Every person needs dignity in their life. Why? Because they're created in the image and likeness of God. Many of you know Pastor Terry that was at Kanata. He is now an Ottawa police officer. And he said to me when he became a police officer and he was working downtown, the byboard market, and he said, we certainly have to arrest people and do different things. But he said, one of the teachings that we had as police officers is these people have had a really hard life. Don't make it harder for them. Treat them with respect. Treat them with dignity. That's here in our city. And so we thank God for that. Paul is saying the same thing to Philemon. Treat Onesimus well. And there'll be a benefit in that for all of us. And so accepting one another is doing that. It's not ignoring what people have gone through, but it's realizing that God will deal with those things one step at a time in any one of our hearts and lives. We know what Paul said in 2 Timothy. Preach the word. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct reprove, correct, encourage people with good teaching. So Paul is taking God's word. He's helping Philemon to see everything has changed. Onesimus is not living in the natural realm anymore like he used to. He is now in the kingdom of God. You'll hear Pastor Jason talk about uh, the difference between the world, which is uh, buying and selling. You want something, you give them money for it, they give it to you, the transaction's over, generally speaking. In the kingdom, it's always sowing and reaping, totally different way of looking at life. And so when it comes to accepting people and welcoming people, what we're really saying is, Jesus, you're Lord of their life, and you're going to work in them that which is pleasing in your sight, and you're going to change them from the inside out. And so it's impossible to live the Christian life without a Bible relationship with Jesus. Philemon has a vital relationship. His heart now is open to God, and God is able to speak to him to say, be a blessing to Onesimus, don't be a curse. And Paul is able to say, Philemon, thank you for what you're going to do. I'll be there soon. Make make a place for me, and we'll rejoice together in what God has done. God is in the business of turning our lives around from living naturally like the world with buying and selling to living like the kingdom, sowing and reaping. And you want to sow good things into people's lives. And out of that, you will reap good things. So I want you to stand together with me. I'm going to pray a prayer together. And I'm going to ask Pastor Joyce to come back. What's your homework? Read Philemon. Then you can tell people, I read a whole book of the Bible this week. It'd probably take you less than five minutes. I want you to put your hand over your heart. I'm going to ask a very important question. Do you have assurance? Your salvation in Jesus Christ. That if your heart were to stop beating today, you would be in the presence of God forever and forever. If you don't have that assurance, I encourage you to come forward at the end of the service. Prayer team will be here. They'll be happy to pray for you. But there may be some things in your heart that you say, Lord, I'm in conflict in some areas of my life and uh, very difficult for me to forgive, to release, to do what you're exampling in Philemon and Onesimus and Paul's walk together. But I'm willing. Holy Spirit, I give you permission to put your finger on something in my heart that you're interested in dealing with and changing right now. And so if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that's the best place to start, to just say, thank you, Lord, for loving me just the way I am, but loving me enough not to leave me this way. And he'll come into your heart and into your life, and he'll begin a a walk inside of you and change you. But if you have a family situation, a work circumstance, something like that, that is very challenging, I just want you to say, Lord, I want to be welcoming of others and accepting of others in the way that you've accepted me. I want a wonderful spirit of grace to be at work in and through my heart and life in Jesus' name.